Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert podcast. This is Cheryl, and today we're this uh, podcast is going to show up in April of 2022 just before Earth Day, and I wanted to just point out that even though um, there's uh, so much negative going on out there, um, there's some good news out there as well. So um, April 22nd, as I said, is Earth Day, and for those of you who may not know what Earth Day is, it is an annual event held on April 22nd to demonstrate support for the environmental protection. It is a way for us to show Mother Earth how much we appreciate her. So in honor of Earth Day, I thought we would highlight three organizations in Arizona that are honoring our planet with good stewardship. And Kirsten's got the first one. All right. So I love this idea. Always good to show people that there are people out there that care and we're making a little bit of progress. So SRP is actually a Salt River Project. And I know it's a big utility company and some of you are rolling your eyes right now. They're not great at everything, but they have this wonderful plan to offset the impacts of dam and reservoir reservoir operations on threatened, endangered, and at-risk species that use habitats in and around these power and water facilities. And they have developed two habitat conservation plans. So they might not be the best people in the world, but they certainly are thinking about the habitat around them, so we've got to give them kudos for that. In these plans, they made long-term commitments to implement conservation efforts for the following bird species. The southwestern willow flycatcher, the western yellow-billed cuckoo, Ridgeway's rail, and, of course, the bald eagle. So to provide protected habitats for several of these species, SRP has acquired and manages select properties along ecologically sensitive Arizona waterways. This provides suitable habitats and mitigates further hazards that may jeopardize the continued survival of these at-risk bird species. So thank you very much, SRP. Yes. They actually manage nine properties. So consisting of approximately 3,000 acres of riparian and upland habitats, Threatened and endangered species will always be protected by conservation easements. That eases me a little bit. Yeah. makes me feel a little bit better about SRP. And that 3,000 acres is, is a pretty good start. Uh, SRP also created a new breeding habitat for the southwestern willow flycatcher and the western yellow-billed cuckoo. And that's different. That's, that's difficult to do because you have to have just the right trees, just the right amount of water, just the right other birds that are around them uh and so that's that's difficult that's quite an undertaking so 20 acres of cottonwood and willow trees were planted near roosevelt lake and five acres of march bird habitat was i'm sorry marsh bird habitat not march bird habitat (laughs) sorry (laughs) that was me (laughs) um so five acres of marsh bird habitat was created on the lower gila river to support the endangered ridgeways rail which gosh march marsh bird habitat is difficult so many different things go into that SRP also works cooperatively with state and federal agencies to provide funding for the Tonto National Forest for a forest protection officer to protect habitat at Roosevelt Lake and Arizona Game and Fish for bald eagle nest watchers and nest surveys. 
So SRP biologists also monitor conservation areas and they report to Arizona Game and Fish on their findings. So really, that's a nice big relief there. It sounds like they're definitely got a nice plan going. Yeah. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. Yes, thank you, SRP. So the the second one we're going to highlight is Friends of the Verde River. And so we have gone from a corporate world, which is SRP, to grassroots volunteers. So the Friends of the Verde River is an organization that works to support native wildlife and vegetation, a healthy watershed, and the river as a life source that is a place of such stunning beauty. The Verde River watershed supports at least 270 species of birds here in Arizona, such as the Western Western Tanager, Orange-Crowned Warbler, and the Common Black Hawk, a hawk that hunts frogs and minnows. Some interesting facts about the Verde River is it flows uninterrupted year-round in Arizona. That's a feat on its own. Yes, it is. It joins the Salt River, and it's approximately 190 miles long. So one of the things that the Friends of the... Friends of the Verde River organization works does is it works to control invasive plants along the river, such as the tamarisk and the tree and the salt cedar tree. These trees, which colonize rivers and streams, do create monocultures of dense stands where nothing but these trees grows because they do what the butterfly, what we mentioned in the the earlier podcast, the butterfly bush does. Yes. Is they reseed and they take out native vegetation. So these trees require more water per tree than a native cottonwood or sycamore. So these invasive trees use more water per acre. So they're sucking up water along the edge, but also out of the river. Yeah. So that's quite an undertaking to uh, get rid of these trees and then be planting um Native trees. Native trees. So another thing um, that this was grassroots, so it was a volunteer organization that they started just by, you know, picking up trash and concerns, and they got the attention of the uh, Nature's Conservancy, which is an environmental organization um, that you can actually donate to, and they have come in and helped with funding and purchasing of conservation easements. Oh, that's nice. Um, up in the Cottonwood area, which is um, where you can get a really nice um, nice kayaking up there with the Verde River. And actually, the Verde River runs um, up to the Bartlett uh, Lake and the Bartlett Dam. Wow, nice. So, um, it, you know, there's people out there working really hard for what they care about, and we benefit birders because of the 270 species species of birds there plus the birds benefit yes not including the other wildlife because when i've been on the verde river i've seen otter and beaver yeah and we'll definitely put some stuff at the in the show notes if you guys are interested in helping out the friends of the verde river we'll give you some information on how to contact them yes and our last one we're highlighting yes this one i get to do which i'm so excited about asu polytechnic campus in mesa arizona and burrowing owls oh my goodness Anybody who lives in Arizona is familiar with burrowing owls, but let's touch on them for just a moment. Burrowing owls were once the most populous kind of owl in the continental United States, but now these adorable 
grumpy. They do look grumpy all the time. Looking birds of prey are in jeopardy, and they are considered a species of concern by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Today, burrowing owls' population is 1% of what it was 150 years ago. Yeah, that's kind of scary. It really is, and mostly what that is is... Uh, us taking over their land. It's habitat loss. Um, burrowing owls eat mostly insects and small mammals. The biggest issue they have, though, is that where they nest are prairie dog burrows. And we have essentially gotten rid of almost all of the natural prairie dog burrows because we move into their habitat. We're not giving them enough room. So they actually hunt mostly at night, the burrowing owls do. They live in open areas with short grass and bare soil because... That's where prairie dogs live. And, of course, they generally would live in old prairie dog burrows when the prairie dogs were gone. Once the prairie dogs, sometimes they'll move, they'll abandon their their uh, burrows for whatever reason and just move a little farther down and make new stuff. They do that all the time. You know, just like us. You know, you get tired of your old house, you build a new one. And so the burrowing out will go down into one of those burrows and they'll make their uh, house there. They lay their eggs. I mean, they do virtually almost everything on the ground. They are capable of flight, but they're definitely dependent on the ground. So when those prairie dog burrows and the prairie dog towns disappeared, we lost a lot of land for the burrowing owls. And these little burrowing owls are only about nine and a half inches tall. And my gosh, they really are cute. They're adorable. Um, ASU College of Integrative Science and Arts, in partnership with Wild at Heart Rapier Rescue, a wildlife rehab and translocation organization that focuses on burrowing owls right here in our area, they constructed burrows on an unused plot of land at the Polytechnic campus. I love this idea. I love that they did this. Right. Such cooperation. Yeah. And such um, hope for burrowing owls. Absolutely. And then using plots of land on places like college campuses and a lot of military bases also do this kind of thing. You're not using it for anything. You literally just have it so that you have it. Why not use it for something good? So in May of 2021, when construction was complete, the burrowing owls were leased onto the property. And this was done not only so that the owls would have a home, but also so these birds could be studied on their home turf. We know very, very little really about their lives and about how they do survive. So this is really great opportunity to learn. The students are planting and planning a habitat for the owls filled with native plants and grasses, which of course here at Wild Birds Unlimited Mesa, we're all about native plants. Yes. And hopefully these owls, once they're settled in, will find space to their liking and make the space their permanent home. And I do know that they offer certain times throughout the year that you can go to the campus, and often it's with our local Autobahn chapters. Desert Rivers Autobahn does it at least once a year, maybe twice a year, and uh, they take you on a viewing, and mm -hmm. they take you to the right spot where you can just kind of sit back with your binoculars and watch the owls just be owls. Yeah. And that is a wonderful way to, to see them uh, out in the wild. Sunset. Yes, and uh, we have to check their website. Yeah, you have to check the website. We'll put their uh, information at the end of this podcast. And of course, just be aware we're not creeping right up on these guys. We want to be. No, you need your binoculars. You need your binoculars. You're going to be at a distance, and because we don't want to disturb them. But that's a great one. That's um, ASU um, in the Mesa area, Mesa yes. campus, Polytechnic. So I was excited. So I just wanted to let our listeners know that there is good news to be had out there. And it's so encouraging to see that there is such thoughtful stewardship toward our natural resources. And that doesn't usually get highlighted. Right. And we it's definitely usually, wanted to let you know. Yeah. yeah. It's not usually, you know, out there. We always hear the bad, but we don't know. We don't always hear the good. 
So the plant spotlight today is a plant that was recently planted at the um, Burrowing Owls home at the ASU uh, campus, and it's prickly pear cactus. And we probably see this all the time, and we just walk by it and say, oh, it's a cactus. Yeah. But prickly pear cactus, its stems are divided into flat flat paddle-like segments that are approximately two to five inches long with a blue tint. It is undemanding to grow and hardy enough to survive our desert summers and cold winter nights. It has a cheery, delicate flower. It's very pretty, actually. It's a very pretty flower. And reddish-pink pear-shaped fruit that you can make into that are white-winged doves like. A lot of birds that are fruit eaters, or not Mm -hmm. even fruit eaters, like I've seen the house barrel on it, and I yeah. don't think they're necessarily a fruitier. Um, they love it. You can make jellies out of it. There's candies you can make out of it. Um, so it is edible for us, too. Yeah. I actually, a little prickly pear story there. There, Our neighbor has a specific type of prickly pear cactus that we kind of envy a little bit. And a piece of it actually broke off the other day in the really bad um, weather we had a couple months ago. And we just kept eyeballing it and eyeballing it. And we're like, let's just take and so we snatched a little piece, our neighbors didn't mind, and we put it in our yard, and I didn't even, like, dig a no, hole. you don't have to. I just put it just with put it that piece uh, face down on the dirt, and it's now growing. So I now have yeah. uh, the prickly pear cactus that we really kind of envied a little bit growing in our yard. Yeah. And it, we didn't, I did nothing. You know me, you listeners who have listened to us often, I am the lazy gardener. <laughs> if it doesn't grow on its own, that's its problem. And this one, we just put it with the little piece that had broken off into the dirt. Literally, I just used my finger and made a little hole and stuck it down in there and and that's all you need that's to do all with we cactus it, it really does um recede yeah easily. and and so there's the little roots in it because i touched it the other day just moved it a little with my foot and it's all down into the ground and this has been maybe a couple months now so prickly pear are really cool they're very easy and it's super fun once those flowers get real big because the bees will get like all the way down underneath there and the, you can't even see the bee. They're all the way down underneath oh. where all that pollen is. And then and, they come up all yellow. And they come up all yellow and you're like, oh, look at you, Libby. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Another thing that's missed with cactus, cactus in general, um, is that they're great at absorbing carbon monoxide. Yeah. And they don't, they absorb it and they hold it for their whole life. So when you see a dead cactus and it's expired because, you know, it's lived its hundred years and it expires and it... It starts to um, go back into the earth when you that ash sort of looked at uh-huh. it. That's the carbon monoxide that it has oh, wow. pulled out of the air and is held for its life. Well, that is certainly interesting. Isn't that fascinating? I didn't know that. That is, oh my that gosh, is really yes. interesting. They're a fascinating plant. They're prickly, but they're fascinating. Yes. Kind of like people. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, thank you guys for listening to the Feather Desert.